electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Kingston here with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Uh, stocks are looking to start November with a bounce after a couple of months lower. Election week is finally here. Throw in some earnings, some Fed a jobs number into the mix, and it's going to be busy. Our roadmap begins with rising COVID fears, another lockdown in the UK, and election uncertainty. Stocks are poised, though, to bounce from the worst week since March. Plus, businesses are bracing for election unrest. We're going to be live in Manhattan. We'll take a look at how companies are preparing for the unknowns of this week ahead. And with no pre-election stimulus lifeline, how airlines are now preparing to stem the losses and lure passengers back into their seats. Carl. All right, Jim. What do we think is going on this morning? doesn't sound like you necessarily trust futures at these levels. No, look, we really sold off terribly Friday until the last half hour. I think this is a continuation of what looked like a short cover rally. I, I think there are a lot of people who are betting that no matter what happens, it's going to be contested, so therefore the market has to go down. Uh, so why not just come in short? Uh, my problem with that is what happens if it's actually not contested? What happens if it's a landslide for either side? Uh, uh, the reason I, I point that out is because if you're really just betting on a contested election, it's entirely possible that even with our 24-hour coverage, it's entirely possible that you actually get some resolution. And if you get a resolution, even if, uh, say, one of the c- candidates, President Trump, contests it, uh, you're going to say, well, what, why didn't I buy something? And, David, you know certainty is what people really crave here. We don't have any, but we will in three days. Yes, we may. We hope to. I mean, it, it is to your point, it's possible. Uh, and, again, the, the, uh, those who follow these things very closely, Jim, will say more likely that a Biden victory will show up more early than right. would a uh, – because, uh, you know, if Biden were to win unexpectedly Texas, for example, or even Florida – um, one of which is quite tight, the other of which is not quite as right. tight. So it would be unexpected, certainly, Texas, but you never know, uh, given how many votes they got early. I mean, more than ex- they exceeded their vote totals from 2016 with the early voting in the state. Um, then you could imagine a scenario under which we would know quickly. Right. If, however, it's going to default to Pennsylvania, which, to your point, has three days after Election Day in which to count, Uh, ballots, by the way, that had been received prior to uh, or on Election Day, then it could take some time. North Carolina as well is one of those states that will have a few days also. Right. Well, we we know, Carl, that uh, Michael Semblis from J.P. Morgan put out a great piece this weekend, which just says, what happens if President Trump says that anything after Election Day doesn't count? Uh, And then it goes to a legislature. Legislature agrees with Trump. Uh, That's the real problem. If you're trying to get certain what legislature, though, I mean, these are the state laws that are in place. So it wouldn't be the state. Le- what legislature oh. would actually overrule what they already had as state law in terms of how they count ballots well, let, that, again, with, have been lawfully received prior to election? Well, day. it goes with Trump. I'm just saying that there's a situation where it's entirely possible that there's no votes after Election Day because the president doesn't want any. 
again, people will have voted prior to Election Day. Right, but a Friday vote. You're saying vote. they'll stop the counting. A Friday vote. What do you mean a Friday vote? Well, you're allowed to. Pennsylvania is letting you vote late. No, no, that's not right. Well, if it's not counted. That's, the, the, all the votes will have been taken. You can't vote after Election Day and send it in and have it counted. Well, that's not no, true. No, it has yet. to be dated by Election Day. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just saying, what happens if it's not counted? What happens if it's right. not counted? And that's exactly well, that's what, what Trump well, wants to That's write. exactly what officials in, in Philadelphia are saying. And it's going to take days right. uh, to count. Uh, Jim, but I guess more broadly, here, <laughs> we're going to be talking about vote counting for the next 48 hours at least. But um, I was taking note of a BlackRock email that Bloomberg wrote about on Thursday, and that is that there's a scenario in which earnings continue to do well. The election is resolved, as you point out. The second wave of COVID is less severe than feared. And then what? Where well, are those people going to be who sold off the last couple right. of months? See, that is a, a scenario where... Uh, you you get a no lockdown. I mean, the president says that uh, the vice president Biden would do a lockdown. Uh, for, vice president B- Biden is going, but the scientists say no scientists is lockdown. The scientists do say you got to close the bars and got to close restaurants. So most of them are saying the people who come on our air who are really good say that you can keep schools open. Uh, if you close the bars and you don't have a stimulus, you're obviously got some you really you have an unemployment problem. But the essentials stay open and people say the non-essential stay open. In other words, we're not wiping out coals, we're not wiping out Nordstrom this time. We kind of learned. But you know what, Carl, I think that we have to pick uh, companies that are winners uh, in this period. We have to pick companies that are just going to get good numbers no matter what. You're absolutely right. Uh, I think there will also be a snapback. Uh, there's a belief that healthcare is going to get obliterated. That's happened time and again. These stocks are going down 10 percent. Then nothing happens. David, you know how powerful the drug industry is no matter what they no matter what the politicians do it has always helped to be able to four three four days later buy those stocks buy centene yep buy united health yep uh and even with what has been a chorus for years now of high drug prices and trying to control them i don't really think jim anything has taken place nothing Uh, i think sentiment may have changed given what we are all hoping will be a vaccine that will be effective and the work that has been done by these companies to try to combat this virus. You could argue that sentiment perhaps is more on their side than it might have been. Right. We also are seeing an industry, by the way, that has innovated over these last, let's call it, 10 years. There was a period of time, as you well know, where it was just the latest iteration of something that you had to take every day that really didn't do that much for you or maybe kept at bay something, a la cholesterol medicine. Great, important, no doubt about it. But uh, we've now moved into an era where we're starting to actually almost cure cancer. Right. This industry is actually starting to do that. And that's been an amazing seminal change over these last, I don't know, five, ten years. Yeah, they're going after big diseases. They're going after breast cancer, uh, and, which is just so fabulous because they've just committed to areas that must be stopped. Now, we'll, there's so many different variations, but uh, I do come back with David saying, Carl, is the drug companies may not be as under fire as people think. And the company that I think has really distinguished itself, as I said to Joe, is LabCorp. Uh, LabCorp had unbelievable numbers. Abbott, by the way, had unbelievable numbers. Abbott does short-term. LabCorp does uh, the PCR. Uh, and has managed to be able to do those in a turnaround that's pretty incredible. And when you speak to LabCorp, you just can't believe the amount of, you know, they've hired thousands of people. That company wins no matter what because nobody says we shouldn't have testing. I'm not hearing President Biden say, uh, Vice President Biden say there should be testing. He loves testing. I'm not hearing uh, President Trump say he doesn't mind testing. He tests all the time. So, I mean, maybe you have to just go with the, with the test. I mean, this is like the gold, gold rush where you have to go with the, uh, 
the picks and pans. That's LabCorp. That had one of the finest quarters. No one is talking about LH. It was a remarkable quarter. And that's the best way, I think, to play this. Better than yeah. all the ones that are off uh, Jim, that speaking chart. of diseases, uh, speaking of diseases, speaking of testing, speaking of being under fire, uh, the president at a rally last night brought up the subject of uh, Dr. Fauci and an interesting exchange took place. Let's take a listen. Don't tell anybody, but let me wait till a little bit after the election. I appreciate the advice. I appreciate it. Now, he's been wrong on a lot. He's a nice man, though. He's been wrong on a lot. Do not, under any circumstances, wear a mask, he said. Do not close up to China, he said. Of course, it comes after Fauci uh, said we are in for a world of hurt uh, on Friday, saying that we could not be more poorly positioned in this country, Jim. He's a career appointee. It's not clear the president can do anything about his employment status. But I wonder whether or not you think the firing, quote unquote, of Fauci would be positive for a market that would see lockdowns as even less likely. Uh, oh, man, I, I, I happen to. Who does not have great respect for me? And- in his late 70s, who was just doing everything he can to, to try to stop this. But uh, would it be, I think that anything that signals that you don't listen to the scientists is positive for the market because there's enough companies that will benefit really? that will because they'll stay open. Remember, if you follow the science, you have to close the bars and restaurants. You have to. There isn't anyone who doesn't think that you uh, any scientist who thinks that those should stay open. So the president, uh, if he fires Fauci, that means what he says is basically science doesn't matter. So let's just keep the bars and restaurants open, uh, which have been every time you see them, you see hotspots. You know, David, look, I owned a bar and a restaurant and I came to believe that you could have outdoor. Right. But but it's real cold. No one wants to eat wearing a parka. I mean, I did it on Saturday night. You did? Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, 45, 40, 40, you can go, you can go that low. I think when you're wearing your, you know, also, I mean, there's other things you can do if you need to go to it. What do you have? Hot chocolate? Yeah. You, you just, you know, you can wear your coat, you keep a hat. Hats are always good. Right, Carl? Um, thankfully going to be warm this week, but listen, New York is an outlier. It's got a 1.5% positivity rate right now, right. which is amongst the lowest in the country Best. versus, you know, other mask. place was where, and by the way, they've limited indoor dining. And bars as yes. well, uh, whereas other places have much higher well, rates, Carl. I, well, of, I found uh, that of, what was interesting about bars is you couldn't have anybody at the bar. Like, I have a bar, and you won't allow anybody at the bar, which therefore made it so it yeah, was it's a, not a bar. tenuous. Yeah, tenuous, That, that doesn't work. Tenuous. Well, guys, speaking of lockdowns, uh, we're obviously paying a lot of attention to the U.K. Uh, Boris Johnson's announcement looks like he's got the votes from Labor. Nigel Farage is back. For more on all of that, let's turn to NBC's Keir Simmons. Morning, Keir. Hey, Carl. Good morning to you. Uh, there are those observing that in the last wave, uh, America followed Europe. Uh, Carl, I don't want to pour cold water entirely on the hopes there that there won't be a lockdown. But I've got to say, here in Europe, here in the UK, uh, things look pretty bleak. As you say, the UK will go into lockdown on Thursday. The newspapers talking about the potential that lockdown might actually have to last through Christmas, uh, decimating uh, the Christmas uh, retail period. And that is partly because they've hoped and they've wanted to keep schools 
schools open, that's what they're doing, but that could actually make it harder to get infections down while bars and restaurants and all of that business uh, is closed. The powerhouses of Europe, the economic powerhouses, France, Germany, the UK, Italy, all going into different levels of lockdown. And we've just been hearing from the German Chancellor, Angela Merkel, who of course leads the, the biggest economy uh, in Europe. Uh, she is saying that things are really in a difficult position there. She, she is saying that they are, are no longer able to trace 75% of cases in Germany. Of course, Germany was able to really control the coronavirus uh, through track and trace. Uh, she says she knows the measures are hard, but this is a virus that punishes half-heartedness. So Germany now going into a lockdown again, trying to keep the, the schools open. But uh, the question is, how long will this have to last? Will Europe be able to reopen at Christmas time? And even if it does, uh, will it then have to go back into another lockdown? Because this clearly, Carl, is going to be a long, hard winter in terms of another business, uh, travel, uh, the UK telling people here in the UK that they should not travel except for business. So the holiday industry, the, the holiday, the winter vacation industry really looking for at a tough time in the coming months too, Carl. Uh, Keir, we appreciate that uh, so much. Uh, Keir Simmons of NBC News. Uh, Jim Merkel did say um, the virus is more aggressive with colder temperatures. Remember, she is a quantum right. chemist. Uh, but she also said that the Prospects of a vaccine approval by year end are also pretty good. Right. Well, I don't get I mean, we have Dr. Scott Gottlieb. Uh, he comes on our, our network. And he's a great follower on Twitter. He's, over and over again, he stresses that the schools are not the problem. The schools are not the problem. The schools are doing an amazing job. I mean, I have seen the schools test, test, test. It's been remarkable. They have places to quarantine people. There's no reason to close the schools. And then I hear, well, they're going to come back for Thanksgiving. They test so much. Almost every school tests. Why close the schools? It is just terrible. It makes no sense. And every place that has done it, I think, regrets it. That's that lockdown that is just, I think, so disabling for our country. Yes, restaurants. But why retailers when everyone's figured out how to do it at retail? I really think that this a partial lockdown, David, it yeah. makes so much more sense than this ridiculous, complete lockdown that they're uh, doing. Listen, you're right, Jim. If we had, a, if we had data, if we had... Oh, a national database that was readily updated all the time, given all the tools we have and AI we have, and it was shared widely, and we could tell everybody, including teachers, how safe it would be. God, wouldn't that be nice? And we had everybody actually agreeing that that data made sense, and they believed in that data. We might be a lot further along here in terms of understanding what we can do and what we can't do. Total agreement. Guys, we'll take a break. Uh, a lot more to get to. Some calls, including a downgrade of Harley-Davidson, uh, some upgrades of Under Armour, Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson saying he thinks the worst of the correction may be over, in our view. A lot more on that as futures are strong to start November. Don't go away. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. In an effort to lure customers amid the pandemic, airlines are employing a buy one ticket, get one free strategy. The journal highlights some examples. Alaska Airlines, two-for-one ticket pricing, linking certain discounts to Seattle Seahawks games. And Europe's Ryanair, uh, offering two-for-one specials for flights through mid-December, Jim. Uh, they're getting creative as the 
uh, really the summertime travel season has come to an end, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's waiting for these for deals. I mean, I, I think that we're, we're getting boy, uh, Ryan Air. They were saying something loves the max. Uh, you love the max. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. But yes, well, why aren't they getting more creative? I mean, they're flying these planes with nobody on them. I mean, just get some bodies in these things. But again, I keep thinking, Carl, remember when Gary Kelly said there's nothing open? I mean, there's like nothing to do. You fly to some place. Like, let's say we wanted to fly to Minneapolis right now. Like, what would we do? Nothing. I mean, they have good restaurants. They open. I don't know. Uh, also, the hotels in these in these cities are empty. are empty. Are operating at limited capacity. Um, you, got, you sort of got to serve yourself. You can yes. w- wander into the kitchen to make something, I suppose. What do you do? I mean, if it, you know, Honeywell <laughs> yeah. has these great elevators. Well, a lot, no, you, Otis has elevators where you talk to him. Right. Yeah. Oh, take him to the fourth floor. Well, that's good. That is good. Then you have to don't have to do anything. Um, as we head into what would be a travel season, though, Jim, for people certainly in the Northeast looking for warmer climates, you know, we'll see if there is an increase in, in travel. Those are you hard tickets out, to get. You've pointed out many times that it's, it seems to be quite safe to get on an airplane. Back to the conversation about data, to the extent we have it, we know that it really doesn't there get transmitted very often. Everybody's wearing a mask on a plane. They're getting the air circulated, uh, recirculated much more often than they are in a typical office right. building. There's been two studies, um, both, but, both saying it's But to your place. point, are people going to want to travel somewhere, to stay in a hotel somewhere, to go to restaurants somewhere? Brian Chesky would tell you that they're doing Airbnb, and the Airbnb numbers are incredible. Right. And that's the way to go. I mean, because you can clean. Carl, we all thought Airbnb, initially thought Airbnb would just hit bad, and they did a big layoff. But now people have discovered Airbnb, Lysol. Clorox, good numbers. You can clean a place, and then you don't have to rely on someone you don't trust to come in and clean. So people like the, um, they, they like the empowerment of Airbnb. Uh, and Chesky is so good. Jeez. So yeah. I think that you know, you've got a and winner there. It's just it's not get, a stock. We're going to get a look at uh, hotel numbers this week. I think Marriott, Hyatt, uh, and a couple of others uh, report. As to your point, Jim, about uh, mass testing, Ryanair's Michael O'Leary was on earlier this morning. We've seen the examples of United doing tests on some transatlantic routes. Uh, He said it's basically the only way the industry is going to survive. Here's what he said. Effective mass testing is the only way we're going to kind of live with this virus. It's the way to get on top of it. And, you know, a second lockdown is going to cost European economies many billions of euros uh, in lost productivity and lost output. Uh, and a much simpler solution would have been, you know, put in place mass testing, get the private sector involved in this mass testing so that you're testing typically 20 percent of your population on a weekly basis. And that's the way to chase down this virus. Doesn't answer, doesn't answer your concern, Jim, about what you do once you get somewhere, but it's no. better than nothing. But if you go over the Abbott conference call. Point blank, they have the 15, Abbott's been the ready test. They've got a 15-minute test. It's the size of a credit card. Now, I know there are many other tests, okay, but what matters is scale. And Abbott has spent, they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on it. That conference call is a great conference call. David, I know you approve conference calls. Listen to the Abbott call, and you'll want to get on a plane if someone just hires Abbott, not just the drugstores. It's really good. I will, uh, I will do that. And I, as you say, I do like to read those conference calls as well. Uh, Carl? All right, guys. Quick commercial break as we get set for the opening bell on an important historic week. Don't go away. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to a mad dash. It was counting down to the opening bell. We've got about six minutes before we get started with trading here. Estee Lauder is a name that you have followed very closely as you pull out a mask. Tell me why. Adult acne. It's skincare. This is the uh, nemesis of your skin, even though it sa- could save your life. Although there are lots of people who say that it's meaningless, there's still lots of other people who are, it's working for. But this is destroying your skin. So they're clear. They're, you know, all of the stuff that they have to make your skin cleaner. It's so good. And don't forget, there's no beauty parlor, so there weren't during this period. And that also is a natural. But, David, adult acne is something that people never thought was going to be um, a major problem. But it turns out that if you've got it, there's only one way to to really beat it, Estee Lauder. I also think, by the way, this is one of the reasons why why I I like Ulta. But you just, this is, I mean, I don't know about you, David, but I've, I've got one here. I have one here. Give you a little granularity. I have one here, one here. And I got to go. I mean, I use these Estee Lauder products. I think I would have literally. You've got the skin of a teen, teenager. I, I haven't had this, David, since I was probably 13. <laughs> you know, it's good. They call them zits. You won't get actually wrinkly. It's why you look so much younger. than Oh, you really you're are. so terrific. But anyway, um, that's why Estee Lauder is going up. And they also gave you good guidance. And it, they had they great numbers good, in China. And that's why I was going to ask. Yeah, I mean, China beat this thing. Net sales down 9%, of yeah. course. China won. Expect, but China is quite strong for them. Right. Do they have a Fauci over there or do they just have a military? They've done some things that have been very effective, it would seem, you know, in controlling the virus a, in China. A democracy is not as good as fighting it as a totalitarian government where they can, where they can kill you. Is that what we are? Democracy? All right. We got an opening bell a few minutes away. Stay with us. Welcome back, Jim. You know, I'd love to touch base with you on what happened with yields last week. There's been some work done over the weekend about, uh, you know, stocks down a few percent and yields up three basis points is not part of the regular pattern. And once again, it's sort of thrown into question whether 6040 is a a framework that works anymore. Well, look, all I know is that these bank stocks, which have been so horrendous, actually love even just a little bit. I mean, they're all so desperate. And the oil stocks, weirdly, go down. Well, they're not investable, but they go down on demand. Uh, it's entirely possible that yields are going up on supply. David, did you know that the amount of money that Europe is spending that they don't have, like London, UK, I mean, they are giving out money. I mean, I think if you got on a plane, you would want to go because I think there's like money being showered. <laughs> they have no choice because this new lockdown has no ability to be able to sustain the economy. What happens? We don't know. Carl, it's really just a very tough time to figure out what the heck is going on. It really is. But there's no yeah. reason, real yeah. reason for our, mar- our market to start roaring here. I mean, I, I can't find one. I mean, if you, let me know. Well, <laughs> I'm just looking at a note from Art Cashin this morning, Jim. Uh, two things he says. Uh, traders are reinstating the opinion that the sell in May seasonality is uh, ending and therefore, there's some short covering going on. Secondarily, this is art talking. There is a growing belief that an orderly transfer of power is more likely. So that's that's art's two cents this morning. Yeah, that, that's my my theory is, is that if you're really short, 
you're really betting that everything has to go wrong at this point because it really got oversold last week. And I don't think that it's, it's entirely possible that we actually will elect someone. And uh, that I know that President Trump has said that he'll contest anything. He won't contest himself. Uh, and if it's a landslide, <laughs> David's laughing at me. And if it's a landslide by Biden, he won't contest. I mean, there's a couple scenarios where we're, where, where we're able to go home instead of camping out at the network. There are. You don't need to bring in a sleeping yeah, bag. There's no. a chance you don't need to bring a sleeping bag. There is a and, chance. And baby powder. There is a chance. But as I pointed out earlier, it's sort of those more tilt more toward a Biden victory if you were to get. Florida, which counts same day, so you'll get that from Florida. Now, they two different time zones, so you get Dade and then you get the Panhandle, but Florida and or, and, or even as unlikely as it would seem, given the recent polls, if, if Biden were to win Texas. But the other way, guys, is if, um, if uh, President Trump were to win Texas, Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina, still doesn't mean that you're not going to be waiting, uh, because you conceivably will be, because of the likes of Pennsylvania and then Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, and a number of other uh, key states. So, Jim, we'll have to wait and see what tomorrow night looks like. We have no idea. But there is, remember, there is a dichotomy between our world and politics, okay? There is a dichotomy. It's not just a complete bleed-through. There are many companies like a Clorox where you have to make a bet that did it factor in too much uh, of, of, not of lockdown, but of actually the virus. I think the virus, for lack of a better term, is investable. I just don't see the virus is getting under control. So companies that actually make it so that the virus uh, is less impactful uh, are companies that you want to invest in, whether anyone, anybody wins president. And that's what we should be trying to find. We've been trying to look for companies that just aren't dependent upon this. And I'll tell you the ones that are really incredible. It's the ones that are dependent on China because China is doing so great. Look at Caterpillar. Carl, Caterpillar did not report a good number. That stock can't go down no matter what because it's regarded as a Chinese stock. And even though it's really more levered at this point to oil and gas, it doesn't matter. The market is clamoring for anything. Look at that. Look at that. Why they not? had a bad quarter. It doesn't matter. Well, and, and to, your, to your earlier point, Jim, about EL and the div hike and skin care up four organic and profit up 14, that's also an, an Asian story. I'll tell you that we've just spent the last couple of years berating China, as have you. Uh, so if we were to turn around and pin our hopes to their recovery, that might be an awkward turn of sentiment for some investors. I think so. But Fabrizio Freda goes to he's the, the CEO of Estee Lauder. He goes to China constantly and he speaks to young influencers, people in their in their young, you know, in their 20s. And they tell him what to do. Uh, he's always had a great relationship with China. And I agree with you, uh, Carl. There, it, it's kind of a counter trend to the zeitgeist. But you know what? The zeitgeist doesn't have any votes when it comes to stocks. And Estee Lauder put up an amazing quarter. Uh, now, did they give you great guidance? We didn't get the guidance I would have liked, which is kind of like nil. But obviously, <clears> if <throat> we go mask, if the world goes mask, the world has to clean. And that division, by the way, had been the weak link in Estee Lauder. Now, Fabrizio Freitas has got everything going for him if you can just keep people from being locked in. David? You look like you have something special. I can tell you've got the special face. No, I don't have the special face. No, I was just, (laughs) (laughs) I've got the special face. I wish I had something really special for you. Sort of one of those knock your socks off. Dish, no. And you saw they're trying to compete in terms of providing wireless for the Department of Defense. Uh, And financial, though, given we're talking China and you're talking, I mean, 
Here's a company, again, not listing here, but pricing, what, I think $80 Hong, uh, Hong Kong dollars. Uh, it's going to start trading strangely because, again, it's Shanghai and Hong Kong. It's going to be, it is, the largest initial public offering of all time. And it does have an impact, of course, given the 33% ownership of Alibaba, which we've been watching. To your point, uh, Jim, I mean, Alibaba has done extraordinarily well, up 44% this year. It's a way to play that Chinese consumer continues to be $826 billion market value and conceivably will benefit from whatever rise there is in shares of Ant once it begins trading, which, by the way, sorry, is 8 p.m. Eastern time here, Wednesday night. So over there, I guess, whatever it is, a Thursday morning. Um, but we got to watch Ant because it's an important company. Again, even though it's not listed here, it's going to become a financial. It is a financial behemoth, certainly uh, in, in the Asian markets, especially, of course, China. Added to the MSCI, all the indices, presumably. Yeah. I mean, allocations are interesting, too, uh, because a lot, you know, the, the Chinese... They're selling a lot of it domestically and then around the world, but nobody got anywhere near what they were hoping for. And as I pointed out many times, Joe Tsai, who we know well, of course, Alibaba, um, owner of the, new, uh, of the Brooklyn Nets, excuse me, uh, and, the, and the Barclays Center, um, decided himself on who's getting what and how much. But this is incredible. I mean, we're sitting here. A lot talking, of sovereigns. Do you remember, it, Carl, in 2015, 2016, we used to go at nine o'clock and we were so afraid China was going to fall apart. That was the whole thing. We had people who were shorting China and just saying China's a house of cards. Well, China got something under control that we can't. Again, and that's because it's a totalitarian state. But I'm looking for any company that has, you know, I, I was trying to think, I was uh, going with Mike Roman on 3M. 3M's got a lot of China. And it, I think that 3M may be uh, down too much given it's China. It is incredible. I'm just looking for companies, anything for China. Honeywell is good China. Otis is good for China. Good China. Uh, best best yeah. Dow component at the moment. Yep. Well, that's what you have to do. As crazy as that is, yeah. that's what you got to do. Guys, a, a quiet, uh, quiet morning. You know, we've had some busy weeks here for merger and acquisition activity. It's very much unclear what will take place between the election and the end of the year at this point or whether a lot of it was sort of pulled forward to get announced. But we did get that announcement, Jim, of, of the Duncan deal. Yes. Friday night. Uh, very odd. Uh, timing wise, we'd sort of been expecting it around earnings. I had obviously indicated, I think a week ago, it might be as soon as the next day. It didn't come. They said preliminary in their statement. That was not, of course, the case. But we did get it. Let's keep an eye on it. There it is. Uh, you can see Duncan Brands is up. Um, it's right where it was reported by the New York Times 106.50. And um, there it is, 106.50, about a 20% premium before you had the move up, obviously, in the stock and the reporting around it. And they expect to close it uh, very quickly, very quick close. It's a tender. Well, what is another great idea in a lockdown, okay, uh, or in a modified lockdown, Carl, because it's not known as a place where you sit and eat. Now, a bunch of people upgraded Ruth's. I read a piece last week about uh, Cheesecake, where you, they're doing quite well. Uh, those are the places that I'd be most worried about. But Duncan is a brilliant acquisition, uh, given the fact that it is a takeout place. So, therefore, it's unaffected. It's like Domino's. And now, obviously, Domino's is inflated in price, but Duncan had been a big short. A lot of people were short Duncan thinking it was not. There's no way it could be as sustainable as it is. Well, it turns out there were a lot of companies that were very interested in it. So I think that this is a remarkable deal. It works very well in this time. It's really perfect. Yeah, um, and, and 
on a day gym where Friendly's uh, files for bankruptcy right. and they follow, of course, Ruby Tuesdays and uh, Chuck E. Cheese and Sizzler. Should Starbucks be worried, though, about Inspire Dunkin'? Uh, a lot of people feel that they're going to put too much debt on it. They won't be won't be able to do anything with it. Uh, Starbucks. You, we, I don't know if you KJ is uh, Kim Johnson. Who joined us on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He he's China. Yeah. The growth there will be China. Uh, if that's a Biden stock, by the way, uh, because there's a belief that if our relationships with China improve, then they'll put up even more stores. It's a way to put up stores that makes a lot make a lot of money here. You have to put up you have to do uh, lanes like Chipotle. Why is Chipotle doing so well? Because they've actually actually figured out how to give food to people and send food to people. Starbucks a little bit more difficult. But I I thought that Kevin told a pretty good story. But he is he's a China play. And there's only it's interesting that we have so few companies left that actually are related to China or trying to expand in China. I mean, I used to think that Emerson, David, remember, you know, Mr. Michael Farr. Yeah. David Farr, David I thought, Farr. had a pretty good China business. Yeah. But he's linked to oil and gas, and oil and gas is deadly. I'm so glad you mentioned oil and gas. because I did want it because I wanted to take a look at uh, the price of oil, of course, which I think hit an, uh, an overnight low. Maybe we got into 33 area, but let's take a look where WTI is right now. And also because of Marathon Petroleum numbers, which came out uh, uh, as well. Um, which uh, we wanted to take a look at, too. There you see WTI, 35.62, and there's Brent. Um, Marathon, remember, of course, uh, announced that Speedway deal this summer, $21 billion. And this is Marathon, the... Not the NPC. Yeah, the NPC. Um, And, I mean, the cover bid there, from what I hear, was way less. Really? They did great in terms of selling... Uh, Speedway, they're saying they're going to close it. Well, let's see what they actually said in the in the uh, in the release itself, because they told us working towards a first quarter 2021 closing for the Speedway sale and remain committed to using the proceeds to strengthen our balance sheet and return capital. All right. Even after taxes, whatever, the 21 billion discounted 17. I mean, the market cap on this company is only 19 billion. Well, this was the Elliott plan, if you remember. Yeah, I do. And, uh, and they, they got plan, a great but- number for it. And the stock did nothing but not. But go down. I, I don't really understand it. It's an odd one, uh, is Marathon. Now, obviously, it does, I guess, also move to a certain extent with the movement in, in the underlying commodity, Jim. And you've talked a lot about energy and just the lack of capital that's even available buy. to move into it. I mean, look, this morning, there was a really great note about, uh, by uh, Bank of America about how safe Conoco is. You know, they're doing the, the Concho deal and nobody cares. Stocks unge. Chevron. <laughs> Had a bad number. Exxon had a bad number. Carl, we got to move on from the oils. It's too depressing. Yeah. Um, energy, Jim, uh, hanging on, just barely hanging on to the green. And with that, <laughs> all sectors are positive for the moment. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. Well, we are positive, all sectors, but off of the highs, four to one, advancing to declining stocks, Carl. Happy Monday, everybody. Just take a quick look at the sectors right now. Uh, energy actually started out in the lead and has fallen back, as you note, uh, as David noted, uh, with the weakness in oil here, industrial's okay. Consumer staples, healthcare holding up. It's a pretty broad rally, actually. Uh, tech's lagging a little bit. REITs are still up. Remember, Pennsylvania REIT, which is a small REIT, but it filed for bankruptcy. Uh, they own a number of very big malls in the Philadelphia area, so that's getting a little attention today. Elsewhere, I'm continuing to see a lot of interest in thematic ETFs. Uh, 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 
Energy ETFs in the last month have done very well. Uh, solar ETFs, wind, alternative energy ETFs, um, lithium battery ETFs, the creations. People keep buying into these ideas, 3D printing, robotics, ROBOs, another ETF that's constantly getting new creations. So every day I see them up 1% or so here. Uh, the debate here is what, what the world's going to look like at the end of the week. There's a bull and bear scenario. The bull scenario is things are going to look better by the end of the week, understandably, that we are entering, as Art Cashin has noted, a seasonally strong period uh, of the year. The election will hopefully be over by the end of the week. Uh, stimulus talks, this is the bull case, will resume in Washington. We'll get further central bank support and possibly preliminary vaccine data. All of this is a lot of hopium, as I've noted many times, but that's the bull scenario. At least we're starting off today on that. The bear case, the reopening story is going very poorly overall. This is not the way it was supposed to be. We were supposed to learn to live with coronavirus without any concerns about lockdown lockdown light or whatever you want to call what we're heading into right now. There is no real stimulus right now. And remember, 2021 earnings, if the lockdown story is actually occurring, the earnings are too high. And that's what the market is trying to reflect. The stimulus play did very well in October. There's a lot of people who still believe in the stimulus idea. If you look at small caps and solar stocks, metals and mining, these are all stimulus plays. They all notably outperformed the markets in October, particularly that TAN, that solar ETF, was practically up every single day. Infrastructure plays also generally did very well. Big infrastructure companies like Floor, Martin Marietta, Granite Construction, all outperformed the market. We'll see how that goes in the next couple of days. Carl, back to you. All right, uh, Bob, thanks very much. Obviously going to be a big week for central banks again. Let's get to Rick Santelli, who's got ISM coming up. Rick? Yes, big week for central banks and big week for trying to figure out what central banks are going to do in tomorrow's event. And ultimately, whenever we get the results, is going to figure into that prominently. Look at an intraday of 10s. Yes, they are moving down. They're now down four basis points. The curves, twos to tens, has flattened by two base, or three and a half basis points here. And if we look at two-day, you get a much better glimpse of what's going on. We were at 87-plus in the wee hours last night. We were 87-plus in the wee hours before our time zone this morning. But it is giving way. There's this de-risk fear, even though equities are doing well, because of what's going to occur tomorrow, of course. And, as Carl pointed out, I'm not sure how Jay Powell and company are going to end up mopping all this up should a better vaccine or uh, different types of drugs to combat COVID-19 resurface sooner rather than later. But if you look at a June 1st start to tens, you really see what's going on. We, we really have moved right up to that almost 90 basis point June 4th high. And the data is out. Market PMI, the October final read, which pulls out 53.3 and replaces it with 53.4, so a little bit better than expected. We'll have uh, PMIs from the ISM grouping coming out in about 15 minutes. Let's continue with the charts. So you see that June 1st chart for 10s. They moved up right towards that high. Look at the same June 1st of Boons. Completely different picture. We see that it wasn't a very kind move lately for Boons. And maybe it's the shutdowns or how Europe's dealing with COVID versus how we may be dealing with COVID, at least in the eyes of investors. And if you look at 10s minus Boons from that same period from June 1st, Look at how much different the differential is between the two, and that is very important to pay attention to as it widens out. And finally, you talk about a bad October for a currency. Here's the euro versus dollar for the month of October, finishing basically on the lows. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll check in with you soon. Uh, Rick Santelli. 
So coming off the worst week for the Dow since March, uh, we're up 225 at the moment as we kick off November. By the way, the Dow has not fallen in November since 2012. S&P Nasdaq haven't fallen in November since 2011. We're back in a minute. Businesses are bracing for potential unrest after Election Day tomorrow. Our Bertha Coombs is watching that this morning. Hi, Bertha. Hey, how are you, Carl? We are in uh, Herald Square. This was one of the areas last summer following the death of George Floyd that saw a tremendous amount of unrest and some of that spilling over into violence and looting. So businesses here have begun boarding up. As you can see, this is Santander Bank and Macy's. In fact, across the street yesterday started putting up boards on its windows, although Macy's officials told us that they were doing so uh, normally because of their holiday displays. They are preparing that, but they acknowledge that they are taking extra precautions if there is some potential disruption. Macy's, of course, one of the stores that saw major looting here at its flagship. Saks Fifth Avenue similarly put up more uh, modest-looking boards. Uh, they were painted as well, but Saks does acknowledge that uh, they are implementing additional security measures because of the election. They are boarding up their windows and they are also adding additional security personnel. Meantime, in Washington and across the nation, you're seeing a lot of preparations. At the White House yesterday, we saw new fencing going up, non-scalable fencing, according to federal law enforcement to NBC News. And that fencing will surround not just the White House complex, but the Ellipse and Lafayette Square as well. And throughout Washington, D.C., See, as you're, we've seen a number of uh, businesses also taking precautions and boarding up their windows. Uh, officials tell uh, NBC News that there will be 250 National Guard on standby as well. Nationally, the big box stores, many of them that experienced uh, damage last summer, are also taking precautions. Although they aren't spelling them out, they do intend to remain open, but they are going to have security on hand. Uh, you know. Target last summer saw six stores heavily damaged and a number of them had to close. Right now they're all hoping they can stay closed, guys, but they want to be better safe than sorry. Bertha, thanks for that. Yeah, we are hoping um, either way uh, that for calm, obviously, uh, Bertha Coombs. Jim, I assume that uh, regardless of what happens, uh, it's another uh, incremental tailwind for digital and e-com as regards to retail. Absolutely. I mean, this is one of those things. I really think that people got the Amazon story wrong when they said they're going to do $4 billion uh, in safety. What they're really trying to do is be sure that their system works. I think there are a lot of people who are worried about supply chain. Uh, so when you see $4 billion, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's uh, safety per se. It's, not, it's trying to make it so workers don't get sick because they're going to have so much demand. And I think that Bezos has got this thing figured out. If it costs $4 billion, but then next year they'll do much better because they don't lose workers, that's smart. Wait, people just think he throws money around? No. Saving workers, saving time, supply chain management, very smart. Yep. Yeah, it's become part of their logistics plan, Jim. Yeah. Uh, speaking of all of this, of course, uh, tomorrow, Election Day, be sure to watch CNBC's special coverage of the election tomorrow night. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're back in a moment. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. This morning, Lindy announces it's going to start green hydrogen production in California. Now, the company that is really uh, banking on green hydrogen taking over is uh, Plug Power. 
And I think this is an extraordinary company. It's not the old plug power that people just every few years it would spike and then people would realize it's not ready. Andy Marsh is making it so that this is the year. Uh, Lindy putting in uh, this uh, hydrogen, green hydrogen, tells me the big company, biggest in the world, one of, the th- one of them, is saying green hydrogen is here, Carl. And that is wow. the best way yeah. to go. That's our hope. Yeah, the theme is blowing up, Jim. Uh, what's tonight? Okay, waste management. Uh, which is a obviously a company that's more lever to housing than people realize. And then look at Linda Randall's the new CEO, by the way, for Clorox. Uh, ben O'Dora retired. Clorox is hitting on all cylinders, so I can't wait to talk to them. Obviously, everyone knows that uh, Clorox has been what they've used in their house to make it so you have less fear. All the divisions are up double digit. Jim, we'll, s- we'll see you at 6. Thank can't you. wait. Uh, it's a big show. Uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.